Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, I'm glad to be with you. I drove down from uh, Louisville this morning. It was a nice, nice drive. I was hoping that there wouldn't be any major traffic or anything, so it was a really nice, nice time. I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, you know, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. You know, I, I, my name is John Barnett. I serve as, a, as Dwayne said, as the Kentucky Baptist uh, mission strategist there. Uh, I help to come alongside churches to help them fulfill the Great Commission. You know, the Great Commission belongs to the local church. Uh, Kentucky Baptist uh, Convention was, you know, our, our vision statement is we're created by churches, for churches, to help churches reach uh, Kentucky and the world for Christ, right? So we come alongside and help the churches. I know your pastor, Kevin, very well. We've, we've done several different things together. I was the one that took him down to Atlanta and showed him the uh, torches that they're giving out during this mission trip there. So, you know, one, before we get into the word today, I just want to say a quick thank you to the church for your passion for mission. I know Pastor Kevin well, I know he has a heart for mission, I know you as a church have a heart for mission, and you're giving to the cooperative program. My family and I had the honor of serving as your IMB missionaries for nearly 14 years. So we spent six years in Uganda, seven years in North Africa, part of the time in southern France reaching out to North Africans, and I just wanted to give a, a, a praise to what God is doing in and through your church. And as Lottie Moon time is coming up and you're thinking about praying and giving and what God is doing through your international missionaries, just last year. You know, 176,795 people were baptized. Over 22,000 churches were planted. And because we pray together and we give together and we do the cooperative program together to fulfill the Great Commission, God uses that in a mighty way. When the tornadoes came here in the West, we were able to mobilize with disaster relief and to help churches. I was just in a meeting yesterday where they were calling around and following up with churches and helping to use resources to rebuild churches and help rebuild communities because we give together. And it's not just us going to help in a way that it's good for us to help, but we do it with gospel intentionality. And that's what I love about being Southern Baptist is we are, we are committed to the Great Commission. And so I just wanted to thank you for that and invite you this morning to just continue in worship. You know, it's worship when we sing God's praises. And it's worship when we spend time in prayer. But it's also worship when we open God's word. So this morning we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, looking at verses 26 through 40. But I want to get us there while you're turning there. You know, Acts, I love the book of Acts. Because as serving with the IMB and doing church planning, we're all about going and, and going to unreached people groups, sharing the gospel, and planting churches. And you know, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, has the Great Commission. We know it very, very well. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And that's the outline of the book, is it not? Chapter 1 through 7, where are they? They're in Jerusalem. Chapter 8, where we're going to look today, God allowed persecution to come upon the church, and drive them out where they go Judea and Samaria and then you go to Acts chapter 13 they begin to go to the ends of the earth and what I love about the book of Acts is it's filled with people who are sold out to Christ and that's what I want to talk to us about this morning in our world today how do we have faith and not fear how do we live with gospel courage in very turbulent times? How do we go out and make Christ known? You know, William Carey, the famous missionary, said to, to know the will of God, we need an open Bible and an open map. Meaning we need to know God's word and be willing to do whatever God asks us to do. And that's what I want to talk to us about this morning as we look at Acts chapter 8. Uh, first of all, before we get to verse 26, I want to look at the beginning of the chapter. We can get the context of it. We see, as it says there in, in verse 1, it says, and, 
And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men had buried Stephen and made, and made loud lamentation over him, but Saul, who later becomes uh, Paul in the next chapter, uh, began ravaging the church, entering house to house, and dragging off men and women that he would put them in prison. Therefore, uh, th that he would put them in prison. Then it says in verse 4, Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word and Philip went down to the city of Samaria so you see here that God allowed a great day of persecution to come upon the church and I just want to challenge you today church to realize that if we're going to fulfill the great commission do what God has called us to do it's not going to be easy you know this but that's not a very American idea that there would be persecution but there would be that we would step out and we would go that's why I say it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning never take for granted that we have freedom to worship today that we are in a land where we can gather in freedom and praise God. I've been in countries where you cannot, where you are thrown in jail or you are killed if you say I'm a Christian or you gather for worship. And so here we see that the church was gathering or starting to gather and they were going house to house and ravaging the church. So I just want to ask us this morning as a church, what is our response today to lostness? How are we going to go out and reach the world for Christ? And so we see here that we see that we pick up the story of Philip right here in verse 4. It said, those that have been scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So who is Philip that we're talking about today? It said that, it's, it, that everyone was scattered but the apostles. This is Philip the deacon, the servant of God that we see in Acts chapter 6 where it comes together and where the apostles are there and they had a challenge in Acts chapter 6 where some of the widows were not being taken care of and they came together and they said, the, the apostles said, it's not for us, we need to, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Stephen was one of these men who had just been martyred in Acts chapter 7. And then there's Philip, who is one of these men. We know about him. He is filled with the spirit. He's a good man, filled with the spirit and with wisdom. How do we become a good person? How do we have a transformed life? It's through the gospel. No one is good until they come to know it is Christ in us. It's our righteousness comes from Christ. But we see that Philip is a man. He's a good man. He's willing to serve and to do whatever God asks him to do. And so he goes down to Samaria. And then there, very quickly, before we jump to our verses for today, we see that Philip goes down and was preaching in Samaria. Verse 6 there, it says, The crowds were in one accord. They were giving attention to what was being said by Philip. And as they heard and saw the signs that he was performing in case Many with unclean spirits were coming out of them and were shouting and with, with one loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. So we see that Philip is driven out of his home and he goes down and he begins proclaiming Christ to him. What I love about Philip is he trusts what God will ask him to do. When he got down to Samaria, going to a place that he would have been taught all of his life, are people who are different than you, you shouldn't go down there, they're not the same as us, you shouldn't connect with them. He shows up, he doesn't say, God's forsaken me, God allowed me to be driven out of my city, God allowed me to be driven out of my home, God allowed me to be displaced, God has forgotten about me. He said, no, God will never leave me, God will never forsake me, he sent me here, I'm going to proclaim the good news. Where's our hearts this morning? I know that many of you have been challenged through this time uh, with the tornadoes and people have been displaced. And I know there's been many stories of those who have been rejoicing. 
not in what is happening, but still rejoicing in the Lord. So we see that Philip goes down, and when he goes down and preaches, you see a revival breaks out. And then we know this story. It's a sermon for another time. He goes down, and he's preaching. People are, are it's becoming to be what they kind of call Samaritan Pentecost. The apostles hear about it. Peter and John come down. There's a man there. His name's Simon the sorcerer. He's coming. He sees what's going on, and he says, hey, I'd like to have this power. And Simon comes, and he approaches God because he wants the power of Christ. But he doesn't want the person of Christ. I want to ask us where our heart is this morning. Lordship. Are we coming under the lordship of Christ? Not just I go to God when I have a challenge, but I go to God because he's worthy of worship. You see, there's a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that's out there that's a false gospel. The gospel is only found in Christ. And so we see that there's revival that breaks out. And then it says in verse 25, So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem. That's Peter and John. And they were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. And here's where we pick up our text for today. What I want us to see in the life of Philip is first how Philip responds to God. We see here in verse 26, it says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. And then it says, So he got up and went. One thing I want you to see is that Philip was open to the call of God. And I want to ask us this morning, are we open to the call of God? Or do we say, no, I've, I've reached kind of the pinnacle of my relationship with the Lord. I know him. I, I go to church. These are the things that I do. God has, has told me everything that, that I'm going to do. I'm good. Are we still open to what God might ask us to do? Are we still open to where God might call us to go, whether it's down the street or around the world? But are we willing to say, God, my life is in your hands? Philip trusted God. He said, listen, whatever God allows me to do, I will do. So it says here, the angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go south. I've been to this desert road. I've been on this road. There's nothing out there, Dwayne. There's nothing. It's blank. I don't know. When he went down there, you know, when, he, when the angel came to him, Philip didn't just say, hey, well, that's great. I will go, but tell me everything that's going to happen. How many times when God is speaking to us, we say, well, that's great. I would do that as long as I know everything that's going to happen. As long as God tells me all this, then I can go. Then I can trust him. But God is calling Philip. He just said, he sent the angel of the Lord and said, get up and go south. Do you trust what God is doing. You know, Philip, he was a servant of the Lord. He said, listen, God, you want me to serve tables? I'll serve tables. No problem. There's conflict within the church. I'll help serve and resolve it. God, you allow persecution to come upon my life. You drive me to a, a city that I would have been told negative things about. I'll go there and not judge them. I'll go there and proclaim the gospel. Lord, you send an angel to me and say, go to the desert road. I will go. He, he didn't complain. He didn't say, well, maybe send somebody else. You know, Philip was the one who was preaching at that time. Now he'd gone from being the servant to the preacher of the day. He didn't say, well, God, you're using me here. Maybe you don't want me to go to the desert. Why would it be me? Send someone else. Nope. Philip arose and went. You see, Philip was not only open to the call of God, he was obedient to the call of God. And I love that. It just says he arose and went. Now, I know many of you probably in here have children, and your children have never disobeyed ever, but mine do. And that I have two beautiful girls, Rachel and Sarah. They grew up on the, the mission field. Now they are young college students, and that time goes by very, very quickly. But I remember my oldest, Rachel, when she was young, 
she used to love to jump on the bed or jump on the couch. And so when I would go to her and I would tell her, you know, Rachel, stop jumping on the bed or stop jumping on the couch. Get down. Don't do that. You know, most of the time she would just jump right off and stop and do that. But sometimes she would come alongside. And I know your kids never do this, but she'd do that little two or three more jumps and then jump off. All right. Just a little bit of, you know, oh, let me do this one more time. And then I'll get down. Now, my wife was the, was the better parent than I was. She was the better disciplinarian. I wasn't Mr. Mr. Discipline. But whenever Rachel would, would do that, she would get in trouble. And why would she get in trouble for doing that? She did get down. She did do what I asked her to do. But the reason she would get in trouble was because delayed obedience is still disobedience, church. Is God calling you to do something i know he's calling you as a church to do things he's calling you as an individual within the church to serve within the church and to make him known to use your gifts and skills and it comes out of worship first and then out of our worship we go and make christ known it's not out of our works it's out of our worship that we go and make christ known so we see that philip is obedient to the call of god and so i just ask us does everything that we have belong to god when we were missionaries in uganda it was very easy to see that the people worshiped idols and when we would go to lake victoria and do baptism there would be something foreign to us here there would be the the witch doctors there they would have their idols there the people would would have idols who would be watching the baptism and there we would be preaching the good news, and they would say, oh, you brought over a, a gospel that comes from America. And we would say, no, no, no. We brought over a gospel that belongs to the whole world. There's only one true living God. We'd say, listen, this idol that you had, it has eyes, but it cannot see. It has ears, but it cannot hear. It has a mouth, but it cannot speak. The God that we're talking about is the living God who sees his people, who hears his people, who speaks to his people. And on a great day of trouble, when you face persecution and challenges, this God, you don't have to pick, up, pick him up and carry him with you. He's the God that carries you. There's only one life-changing God. And we would see that the people would worship idols. You say, well, John, why are you bringing that up here? Because we don't, we don't have idols in America, right, church? We don't have any idols here. What do you mean? You come to my house, I've got these beautiful pictures. We don't, we don't believe in that kind of thing. You want to know how you tell what your idol really is? It's really simple. In your heart, whatever you won't give up for God. Whatever you will say, God, I will do all of this, but I got to hold on to this right here. That's your idol. And I just want to ask us this morning to lay it all before the Lord as we see in the life of Philip of what God is doing in his life. So we see that Philip, he responds to God with openness. He responds to God with obedience. And then we see that as he goes down to the desert road, God is already at work. Let's continue in the text there. It says, so he got up and went, and then it says, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official, uh, an eunuch court official, queen of the Ethiop of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting on his chariot, uh, reading. The, he's reading from the scriptures from the prophet Isaiah. So you see that God is already at work. Philip has no idea why God has asked him to go, and God asks us in faith to step out and trust Him. It's as we go, God is asking us to make disciples. 
So many times we want to know it all. But Philip said, I will go. I will go to the desert. I trust in you. And we see that God is already at work. He's called this Ethiopian eunuch who has traveled over 1,500 miles all the way up to Jerusalem. He's a God-fearer. He's heard about this one true God that's there. And he wants to know who he is. And he's traveled all the way to the temple. And he's even miraculously got a copy of the scriptures. That's really a miracle in that time. There wasn't like di uh, scripture distribution going on at that time. Obviously, because of his status and what he was doing, he was able to get a hold of some of the scriptures there. But he's traveled all the way to Jerusalem because he wants to know who God is. But what you see in this text is God has a plan. He wants to bring Philip to be the one to share the gospel with this Ethiopian eunuch. I guarantee you this morning in Madisonville, around this county, and I know all over the state and around the world, there are people waking up saying, I want to know more. There's got to be more to life. Maybe they have a lot of resources and they realize, I have all this stuff, why can't I find the joy? Or maybe they have very little and they're saying, well, there has to be more to life than this. You see, overseas we call it global conversation. God was already at work in people's hearts. Right, God is the one calling people to himself and that he was the one saying, listen, I, I'm sending you to people I want you to preach the gospel to. It's always been God's intention that it be through his people that he is made known. But do you trust that God is already at work this morning, church? There are no aha days with God. You see, you and I, we don't know what's going to happen even in the next minute, but God does. And we can trust in him. So this Ethiopian eunuch, he's traveling there. He's wanting to know more about God. When we were in Uganda, I remember there was a, a young man, Twaha. And as, we were, as I met Twaha, he was the Muslim witch doctor, meaning he was the one, most of the people there, really their natural religion, even though you had the veneer of Islam, was really African tribal religion, what they had grown up with. And Twaha was the witch doctor there. I know we don't have that here, but that's what he was doing. And I began to share the gospel with him. And then we had volunteers come over on a mission trip. And as we were prayer walking and sharing through different areas, some of the people who had been sharing with him spent time with Twaha. They shared the gospel with him again, like he had heard many times with a translator. And then on the next day, we're about 10 minutes from his little shop that's no bigger than this, than this uh, area right here with the drums. Uh, the next day, Twaha had come from his little shop, and I could see him in Kampala, Uganda. It's built on seven hills. He's running down the hill. We're prayer walking through an area, sharing the gospel. Here comes Twaha running down the hill. And I'm thinking as the good missionary, uh-oh, there's a problem. I can see him running towards me. And as he gets up closer and closer, he starts saying, I can hear him speaking because I can speak the language. He's saying, Chitufu, Chitufu, which means it's true, it's true. And when he got up closer, I asked him, I said, Twaha, what's true? And he says, Jesus is real. Jesus is Lord. What you've been sharing with me, what, these, what the uh, volunteers shared yesterday, they left me with a, a track, and I was reading about it, and God opened my heart. And Twaha became a believer. We rejoiced. I remember it was on a Tuesday. I said, Twaha, you need to pray. Listen, I'm going to come. I'm going to see you on Thursday. I'll come back on Thursday. You think about, pray about people you know, and I'll go with you, and you need to share your testimony about how God has changed your life. I go back on Thursday. I wait about an hour, typical African time. Twaha shows up. He says, hey, come with me. We go down behind these little fences. We go to this kind of, kind of secluded area, and we go around the corner of the fence. Twaha has over 40 people there. And he says, is this what you're talking about? I said, oh, well, yeah, of course it is. And myself and another missionary, to make a long story short, 
We just preached our hearts out. We said, listen, they're here. We spent about five hours there sharing the gospel, going through the scriptures. And on that day, 10 Muslim men came to know the Lord and they started a church. You see, God is already at work in people's lives. So we see here in the story of Philip, as he goes on, not only did he uh, respond to God with openness and obedience, he relied on the spirit of God. As we see the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's returning and sitting on his chariot and he's reading the prophet Isaiah. Then it says in verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. And then Philip ran up to the, ran up and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. We see that we need to rely on God's spirit. It's faith that leads to boldness. That's what I ask you this morning as a church, as an individual, are you really walking close to God? Are you really hearing from the Lord? I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm not talking about something outside of the scriptures. I'm talking about spending time in meditation, spending time in prayer, hearing from God, hearing from God's word, spending that time in there and then going out and proclaiming him. You see, Philip, he had that faith that led to boldness. Because you see, Philip, I don't even know how he was doing it. Like I told you, I've been to the desert road. He's going down. I guess he's just walking down the road. Here comes the man on the chariot. Here, here he comes returning from Jerusalem. And as he hears from the Lord, he runs up to the chariot. And now he knows why God has called him to go there. Because he hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah. You know, evangelism and mission will always appear to be like a chore if we approach it as works and not worship, church. Like I said, it's out of our worship that we make Christ known. And as we rely on the spirit of God, God gives us faith that leads to boldness. You have friends in the community, you have people that you've worked with, you have people that you know, neighbors and others that don't know the Lord, family members, and today is the day to go and to share the gospel with them. To sit down and to pray and ask God to open hearts and to give you opportunities to share because it's Christ in us, church, and not Christ and us. It's Christ working through us that we go and make him known. So are we really hearing from the Lord? You know, it's hard to hear from the Lord if we've already decided what he's going to say. Are we really open? to what God is calling us to do. And then when he speaks, do we obey? And that gives us faith that leads to boldness. And so we see in verse 30, what I love about verse 30 is it says that Philip, when he heard the, the Lord say, go up and join the chariot, it says Philip ran and he heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. I love that because it says Philip ran after what God was calling him to do. I wish I was a man, I wish I could say to you as a confession, I've always been a man that's run after the will of God. But I have not been. I remember when God asked us to go from Uganda to Algeria, a place where people die for their faith. I remember as we were, as we were planning to move into the country, I began to get nervous and think, what have I done? Lord, have you really called us to go into this place where, where people are really heavily persecuted? They disappear if they believe in or trust in Christ. And I remember my wife, who has a great faith, who trusts in the Lord, I remember her saying this very distinctly. As we're preparing to fly into Algeria, she said, don't worry about it, John. Jesus is already Lord of Algeria. We don't take God anywhere. God is already at work. We're just going to tell about him. That's faith that leads to boldness. And so we see that Philip, he ran after what God was calling him to do. And then he, as he hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah, he comes to the man and he says, do you understand what you are reading? 
in verse 30, and the man said, and he, he said with him, well, how could I unless someone guides me? It's always been God's purpose that he would use his people to make him known. As we see in Romans chapter 10, it says, how can they call on the one whom they have not heard, that they have not believed? How can they hear without a preacher? God calls us to worship him out of that worship to make him known. He has a purpose and a plan for every one of us in the body of Christ. Not everyone will be sent as a missionary overseas, but we're to make him known down the street, around the world, and to be a part of, of, make, of preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel with the world. Very, very quickly, because I know my time will run out shortly. But from that story of Twaha, Twaha was able to lead his best friend, a young man named Mohammed, who was studying at the mosque to be the next leader, the next sheikh of the mosque. And Muhammad saw the change in Twaha. He began sharing the gospel with him. Muhammad became a believer. And then over through a lot of struggling time because they lost their job, they're kicked out, his wife was going to leave him. But as, as Miriam began to see the change in her husband and how he treated her and how God had changed his life, she was drawn to the Lord. She became a believer. And Muhammad, his father, was a, was a large influencer in the Islamic world. And one day Muhammad disappeared. He was gone. He was gone for three days. We thought he was going to be, we thought he had been killed, but he hadn't. He came back in three days. But during that time, people came to Marion's home, to their, the small home that they had been moved into after they had been kicked out of, out of the mosque. And they came and they had, they had uh, jerry cans of fuel. And they said, Miriam, come out. We're going to burn down your house. You're not welcome here anymore. And Miriam, who had not been a believer very long, she came out and she said, listen, you can take my husband you can take my home, but you can never take Jesus away from me. Those men dropped those jerry cans. This was witnessed by hundreds of people and just walked away. God began a revival in that Muslim community because faith leads to boldness. And so we see here as we continue on in the story, he says, how could I unless someone helps me? And then as they sit down together, he invited Philip to come and to sit down with him. And we know the text well. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, about the suffering servant. He said he was led as a sheep to slaughter as a lamb before the shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his to, with his generation? For he, his life has been removed from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, please tell me, who is he talking about? Of himself? Who is the prophet talking about? Of himself or someone else? And we see here the beauty of the gospel. Jesus as the suffering servant. We know he could have called down the angels to deliver him from the cross. But the good news, that's why the gospel is the good news. Because God has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. He is the one that came and lived the perfect life that we could not live, paid the price we could not pay, and rose from the dead that we might have hope. We're the only ones that have the good news. That's why we sing, Pastor Dwayne. That's why we sing and worship where most other beliefs, they don't really sing like we do because they have nothing to sing about to a dead God. We sing to the living God. And we see that he's, as he's reading, he's able to explain to him who Christ really is. And so he says, please tell me, of whom does this prophet speak, of himself or from someone else? And then we see that Philip, he not only responded to God with openness and obedience, he not only relied on the spirit that gave him faith that, that led to boldness, but Philip was ready to share. It says here uh, in the next verse there, verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. You see, Philip had the word of God in his heart. He knew what, God, what God's word really said. 
That's why I said before, we're spending time in the Word. I ask us as a church, how are we going to be mighty in the Word of God and to know what God would have us to do if we don't really know His Word? Not just the Sunday school answers, but the Word penetrating our heart. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. God's Word is living and active. It helps us to grow closer to Him. It draws us to Him. It changes our life. We're to be transformed daily in renewing our minds. And Philip, he understood God's Word. He knew God's Word. And beginning with the Scriptures, he began to preach Christ to him. And I just love that part of it. I just ask us, do we know the Word of God? I don't mean just in our head. Like I said, I don't mean you can pass the Sunday school test. I mean it's seeping deep into your heart. You're being transformed by it on a daily basis. And it says there, he began with the scriptures and he preached Jesus to him. You see, not only did he have the word in his heart, but he was willing to tell. Just as when the, when the lawyer came to Jesus in Luke chapter 10, right? They're going to trick Jesus. And what does he do? He comes, he asks Jesus, he said, you know, he says, what must we do to have eternal life? Jesus says, what does the law say? The lawyer said, oh, I've got this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly, but now go and do it and you will live. Is there something holding you back today from going to share the gospel, to going out and to making Christ known? And to finish up the story very quickly, we see what happens. Philip preaches Jesus to him, and then they say to him, they look, and they say, look, there's water. The Ethiopian eunuch says, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, verse 37, you may. And he answered, I believe. They order the chariot to stop. They get out. He baptizes, uh, Philip baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch right there. And then we see what happens. I call it kind of the Star Trek miracle. I don't know exactly how it happened because it's, God, it's in God's word, so I know what happened. It says that the Ethiopian eunuch, he goes on and he goes back to Ethiopia and then Philip is whooshed away. Literally, the spirit takes him away. He finds himself in Azotus and he continues preaching the gospel all the way back to Caesarea. And then you don't hear about Philip again until Acts 21, where you see him about 20 years later in his home, has a house church there, he's raised his daughters and he's called Philip the evangelist. And then you never hear about him again. You see, Philip lived a life on mission. He wasn't one of the apostles. He said, God, you want me to serve tables? I'll serve tables. You send me to some place, you drive me out of my home, I'll proclaim your name. You call me to go to the desert, I'll go to the desert. You send me out to Caesarea and to go and to, and to have a church there, I'll help with the church, I'll proclaim the gospel, and then I'll live for you. That's life on mission. That's the life God's calling all of us to, not just a pastor, not just a missionary and that. So my question to you here in closing is, how are you responding to God today? If you're here and not a believer, then are you open to what God's call might be upon your life as the spirit is speaking to your heart? If so, you need to be obedient, place your faith in Christ. And by doing that, you're relying on the spirit of God. You become born again. God will give you that faith as you pray to receive him. And you'll start to gain that boldness and then come and join a church like this so that you can be discipled and get equipped and be ready to share. You see, God called Philip to go to the middle of the desert to find an Ethiopian man who was on a runaway chariot desperately seeking after God. So I ask you as an individual and as a church this morning, 
where are the runaway chariots in your life? Where is God calling you to go and to make him known? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you, Lord, just for the few moments that we have to spend in your word, to come together to worship you through your word, Father, and the opportunity again to go and to make you known. Father, I pray if you've spoken to anyone's heart today that they respond to what you have called them to do and that they are obedient to what you've asked them to do in their life. Thank you, Father, again for an opportunity to make you known. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If God has spoken to your heart this morning, it's time for you to respond. Uh, the altar.